Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm a kite. Dancing in... Oh, wait, I already did that. I, I mean, I'm Alex. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're taking a look at uh, Mission Colon Impossible Dash... Rogue Nation. Rogue underscore nation. <laughs> I don't think it's an underscore. <laughs> and they're all bold, but every other word is italicized. Got to be very specific about this. Classic. <laughs> so, we're, we're here. We've, we've reached the fifth Mission Impossible movie. You feel old yet, Tyler? Yes. Okay, moving on. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, directed by Christopher McQuarrie from 2015. It has a 93% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the same exact score as the previous film, Ghost Protocol. And it has an 87% audience score, which is head and shoulders above all the others in terms of audience score. Hmm. With the closest being Ghost Protocol at 76%. But mm-hmm. once again, I should probably say this every time we read the score sheet. Huge grain of salt with Rotten Tomatoes scores. <laughs> Because those scores don't actually think what you mean, and the audience scores are you, full of crap. Mean, mean what you think? Uh, they, you said, yes. think what you mean, which I, the, I can the also The scores endorse. have thoughts, Tyler, and you're hurting their feelings mm-hmm. right now. It's like Rotten Tomatoes, Batman vs. Superman audience audience score. Uh, it actually thinks it should be higher. That's, that's an example of a score having a thought. How high is that Venom audience score? Isn't that pretty high, too? Is it? I haven't actually seen that fine. movie, and I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I mean, you're, we're gonna, I'm, you're gonna have to. No, I mean legal means what? Oh, 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 oh. I don't mean it, or do I, Tyler? What is your best thing and your worst thing about Mission Impossible: Spectre of Solace's Skyfalling? <laughs> I'm gonna take a second to process that. Uh, my best thing about this movie is I, I I'll probably just put it this way I'll say and I do this a lot where I just pick a random character and say that they represent what I like about the movie but it's true uh Ilsa I mean, yeah um I feel like she is she adds an element to this movie that they haven't really had in any of them um where where it's it's kind of like just the fact that there's another sort of like gray area character who operates in in sort of the same space and same same wavelength as Ethan? Yeah. Um it's almost like they tried to do that with Tandy Newton's character in yes. two, and it just yes. went horribly wrong. Exactly, that was the prototype. Uh, and it it, it not only... that it's Tandy Newton's fault. It's all the writing and directing. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, it it adds an element uh, that I is in a lot of movies that I really like, or at least is a dynamic that I like in a lot of movies. Um. But where you have this sort of three-party, four-party uh, butting of heads where, where everyone's kind of got their own motivations and the motivations are fairly clear. I mean, obviously, Elsa's motivations are sort of uh, hidden and, and we, we get them slowly revealed throughout the movie we, as we begin to kind of understand why she's working for who she's working for and, and who she is working for in general. Um, but just all of that uh, creates an, an interesting layer of actually sort of keeping track of different characters and 
wondering who's going to come out on top in certain situations and it it it, it, it just creates a lot of a lot of fun not even necessarily set pieces but uh situations yeah um well, especially when you have the, the double crosses and the triple crosses yes, yes. and I, I think it takes a couple of watches of this movie to to realize that it's not a bunch of bs yeah. like it's not yeah. just complete incompetence of the writing of like oh in this scene we feel like having this person switch but that actually you know if you think about it for five seconds it wouldn't actually make sense with the way the rest of the movie plays yes. but i feel like this movie does a good job of keeping the character's actions very consistent yes yes definitely um it reminds me a lot of i'll give an example of a movie that i i don't necessarily love and then one that i do uh the because there's there's two that come to mind one is uh kind of the i guess it's specifically i don't know if this is in uh dead man's chest or at world's end uh, we didn't Dead... do those movies that long ago they've already bled together for you no no, no I, I well yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> no but just the general kind of like combating between jack sparrow and um kira knightley and like that the, the whole the whole crew just everyone kind of having their own motivations it's really yeah. kind of that's both a bit of, of both movies. yeah um, Mostly with the second one, it, there's the, the the fight on the wheel between Norris yes. and Will, yeah, and yeah, then Jack's yeah. there. Yeah. So uh, not wonderfully executed, but it is it is fun to see a lot of different characters kind of just having completely different objectives and trying to right. pull those objectives off. Um, better example would be Aliens, one of my all time favorite movies. Yes, um, I remember you actually saying that as a, as one of your favorite yes. parts of that back yeah. when we recorded it so long yeah. ago. Uh, the fact that you've got and of course, I say that it's my favorite, one of my favorite movies, and I cannot remember like ha- half of the characters' names or anything. But obviously, you've got uh, Ellen Ripley, um, kind of separate from the Marines, where the Marines are, are going in all gung ho, and they have completely different like attitudes and personalities and approaches, and they're just there to blast aliens up while Ripley doesn't want to be there at all. And you've got the uh, the, the what's what's the guy that ends up betraying them? Um, Burke. Yes, you've got Burke, uh, sort of being creepy on the side and ultimately uh well at first he seems like a chill he seems like a chill guy where he's just yeah i'm just the company man but don't let that fool you and then the layers of again cannot remember his name the android um bishop bishop yes of course you Uh, claim to love this movie i know it's been a while since i've seen it but uh yeah bishop and the layers of the fact that he is an android and we know that from the beginning and we know that people don't trust androids but then like specifically Ripley doesn't trust androids but then he turns out to be actually a good guy like all right. of that those different elements and of course the aliens themselves like having a ton of battling characters who have actual motivations I can follow and aren't like it's not just a complete mess but have actual objectives and goals yeah. <clears throat> I think makes for such an interesting plot and it's it's really it, it lends itself very well to spy movies and this movie I think is something that I would point to as like a if you ask me, just like, what do you think of when you think of a spy movie? This this movie checks all the boxes in a good way. It's not. It, I mean, I'm not saying it just like play. It's it's not by the numbers, but it hits everything I would think I would think of when I think of tip like or maybe gold standard for a spy movie. Right, where you've got a lot of 
a lot of fun action, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of twists and turns and double crosses, a lot of government intrigue and conspiracy. Um, of course, heist scenes, like it's all, it's all yeah. there uh, and it works very well. Which is to say, Elsa is my favorite character because I know that was a whole lot of stuff to say. But basically, yeah, I just feel like she she does a great job of both the performance by Rebecca Ferguson and just as a character in general. The the plot does a great job of having her weave between uh, the different storylines and the different characters and kind of tying everything together in a way that's very interesting and very fun to watch. And once again, it's it's kind of one of those cases where Ethan doesn't get a whole lot of characterization in this one. Or he, like, yeah. he doesn't have a character arc. He's pretty static throughout. Um, so they kind of give her a lot of the character work. Yeah. Which uh, is however... Nice. Um, yeah. Plus side, we have crazy Ethan again. <laughs> so, uh... Hey, he, I don't, I, he doesn't come off as crazy to me as you, as you make it sound. In, like, I feel like the one bit where he's like, Can't you see it, Brant? Can't you see it? I see the end of the movie. It's really interesting, actually, because I feel like they actually... Jeremy Renner Renner just looks like, Paramount, y'all were going to give me the keys to this franchise? It's really interesting because... I I... got Age of Ultron to go shoot. I I feel like after he has... I didn't didn't remember this from the first time I watched it, but he he goes underwater and runs out of oxygen and is underwater for a good bit of time. It seems like he actually suffers from a little brain damage. Like, like for one, when he gets up, obviously, like, they have him be, like, he's he's very, like, out of it. But, like, it seems like he never quite, like, regain. Like, he's he's sort of just on... It's, it's the, like, the ending with the, um... Or the stuff at the end where he's he's bluffing about yeah. the, the codes and everything. Like, he, he's he's gone... I feel like he goes off the rails, and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, it's not it's not quite next movie in in some of his performances, but, like... I feel like he's a lot closer to three and one. One is maybe the craziest he's been. It's hard to say. But I feel like he's a lot closer to those, um, more so one, than uh, he is to like the two and four, where in both of those, he's I feel like he's played a lot more straight and, and like cool, calm, and relaxed, and just sort of is, ah, I'm Spider-Man. Um, so it's still fun to watch him is what I'm getting at. It's still, it's still very fun to watch him, and, and he gets a lot of fun action pieces and stuff. But, yeah, she really is, like, a, a, a dueling protagonist. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch. Especially when you realize they're actually quite similar, and they, mm-hmm. she kind of brings it to the forefront. And even when she asks, she's like, you know, there's another option. We could just leave. Yeah. Our governments have completely screwed us over. They don't care if we live or die. Why do we care? We should just get a move on get out of here. Um, it's almost like we're presenting our characters with choices that they have to make. <laughs> that sounds dumb. Uh, I don't have much of a worse thing. I This is a weird one, and you might disagree, but I, I feel like there's a couple of odd effects. Like, every now and then, the effects are a little wonky. Um, yeah. No, no, I actually kind of agree. The first... I think the, the underwater sequence looks strange. Yeah, and the, the and first... it looks and and it, I think it just might be because there's enhancements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's and the first it thing looks I think a little of, too artificial. Yeah, when I when I say that is the the car flipping over and over. Oh yeah, when they drive off like it, it's. There's it's a almost, reason that's a very quick shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and, and it almost looks too fast. 
and like it's 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 almost comical and i think that's probably a little bit of what they're going for but uh it looks a little weird there's just some wonkiness every every now and then i mean i really don't have any major like plot character qualms and i'm sure i mean as we'll talk about i'm sure i'll think of some stuff that i i wasn't a huge fan of but like okay yeah i i i I have a few problems with this movie um i I was actually a little mildly disappointed on this go round. Hmm. So before I get into my best and worst thing, I want to change my grade for Ghost Protocol. I'm adjusting you it to a B plus. Hack. B plus. Just gonna adjust that real quick. It's interesting. So where I stand with this movie right now, spoilers for my grade for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is gonna be a B. That's where I'm sitting at right now. Hmm. Um I don't know. If I'm choosing between the two of them, I'd rather watch Ghost Protocol. Now that I've watched this again. That's just me. That's fascinating. Because um, this is almost... A, like, I... Because I remember watching Ghost Protocol originally. Um, both this and and Ghost Protocol, you showed me. Yeah. Um, I remember watching Ghost Protocol originally and being like, eh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Pretty pretty cool movie. And then on a rewatch, I was like, eh, I'm really not a huge fan of that. Whereas this, I remember you showed me the first time. And it was actually just like not long before Fallout came out. Yeah. Um. It was just like oh, I gotta prepare prepare you, and so I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, I guess. It's fine. And then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, I actually really, really enjoyed this. So see, this is the problem when we don't watch these movies together. <laughs> we don't <laughs> share the same experience. Uh, Not that we want to have the same grades. Well, it's mostly because when we're watching the movies together, we can kind of discuss them and kind of go ahead and you know iron some of the issues out before we get to really discussing it for an audience you know yeah i don't know um but yeah i i have i have a few problems with this one um not to say that it's not good because it is good mm-hmm. but okay. just just some smaller things i noticed but anyways just just getting it out of the way also we did not mention brad bird hardly at all in the last episode <laughs> and i feel terrible about it because we 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 didn't at all discuss his transition from animation to live action and just how seamless that was. Yeah. And I talked so much about wow the direction's really good and everything feels so cleanly and mm-hmm. plain you know efficiently laid out. It, it yep. it's almost like a guy whose his work involves heavy storyboarding <laughs> heavily storyboarded this movie just a little, just a little and like that's the feel I got for that whole movie. So. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Anyways, with all it's, of that out of the way. It's hard to notice uh, just extreme competency. It doesn't It yes. doesn't stand out to you, but when you know when you, when you think back at it, yeah, uh, yeah. Did a good job with it. Yeah. So my best thing for this one is going to be the opera sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, I Case think in point. Aside from maybe the motorcycle chase, this is like the best scene in the film. Yeah. And that's just because it... It, there's hardly any dialogue. It just mm-hmm. uses the the language of film to be able to guide you and tell you all the stuff that's happening. Remember when movies used film to well, tell the... a story? It was 2015. <laughs> and then Terminator Genesis came out and just <laughs> everyone just killed themselves. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. I've come back for you. I didn't want you to come back for me. Bam! <laughs> and that's how Terminator Genesis happened. You're welcome. Anyways, the opera sequence. 
Um, I just like how super creative it is, and you. Ne- yeah. I remember watching it for the first time, and I. Obviously, they don't explain everything in that sequence. You kind of find out after the fact why there are two guards. One's kind of got a gun on Ilsa, and she's yes. supposed to be shooting the the Austrian prime minister. That sounds right. The prime minister of a European nation, and there, the, there's the other guy who's supposed to be like the backup. Mm-hmm. So. Like, all, all that kind of stuff, and making sure that she does her job, because she's trying to make up for the fact that she let Ethan get away. Um, there's a lot of... It's it's kind of what you're talking about, where you've got all these different parties vying for their own objectives. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the perfect example of that. And Ethan's just trying... He's scrambling that whole scene to figure out just what the heck's going yes, on. Yes. And just that moment at the end where he's got... The- I love how they, they've brought back like these super inventive weapons. Like the flute, the flute gun. The gun is incredible. It's amazing. That that feels like something out of Roger Moore, James Bond, but mm-hmm. they've gotten it to work where it doesn't seem stupid. Yeah. But anyways, there's that wonderful moment where he's like, um, 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 uh, I've got like four different targets. Who do I shoot? Who do I shoot? Oh, I thought of the answer. And then he, he, he ends up making, I guess the semi-right choice. Cause yeah. the prime minister ends up blowing up five, yeah, yeah, yeah. five <laughs> minutes later anyway, yeah. but can't foresee everything. Okay. Yeah. Which He's is not a, omniscient, which is a great bow on that. Entire Tom Cruise scene. is, but Ethan Hunt is not. Yes. It's a great bow on that entire scene of like, oh, they, 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 he went through all that. It was a huge struggle. Um, he had seconds to spare to to save the day, and yeah. Solomon Lane was still two steps ahead of him. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that's that's excellent. Correct. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite thing about the movie is probably just the lack of focus on the team. And that's one of the things that I really latched on to with Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the team does do stuff, but I feel like overall, aside from Ethan, I don't really consider Rebecca Ferguson a member of the team, really, until the very end. Yes. So I, I can't really count her in that. And I mean, Simon Pegg does some stuff, but it really feels mostly like the Ethan Hunt show. And yeah. Jeremy Renner... I almost feel like you could completely write him out of the movie, him or Ving Rhames, and just have one of them do both of their parts. Yeah. Like, they don't really feel all that necessary to the plot, and that kind of bothered me, especially with how well we built up Brant in the previous film. Yeah. There is some good dialogue between them when they're talking about Ethan, and and Ving's basically being like, he's a crazy man, you gotta let him crazy. Yeah. And, And Brant's like... Why aren't we going to the government with this massive terrorist plot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. I like how they continue to have Brant be the one that kind of questions what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of consistent. And I like that. But at the same time, like, you get to the final act and it's like all Ving Rhames and Jeremy Renner do is just like, well, Ving Rhames sits on a computer for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, create that glass box for Solomon Lane to fall into. Like, that's yeah. all they're good for. Yeah. That that didn't fe- feel super satisfying It really me, especially, is. Especially because, like I said, it, at the last one almost feels like a soft reboot where it's like, we've got our team yeah. now. And then this yeah. one's just like, eh, we're back to Ethan Hunt and occasionally the other people show up. It really is. Um, Where's Paula Patton? I miss Paula Patton. The, yeah. The, the focus of the... Uh, the the main characters are or the main relationships being built are Ethan and Simon Pegg. 
and I keep just using random character and actor names, whichever comes Benji. first to me. Um, but it's it's them, and then of course Ilsa, and it's it's sort of their interactions that are most heavily like focused on. Right. Uh, there's it, it does come tie into what I was saying with the, the motorcycle chase scene where um, Brant and Luther just like show up in the middle of this massive chase and they they yeah. see each other excellent moment where they all see each other and they're like hey how's it going yeah and they just keep driving um yeah uh, you chose the four seater you chose it man you just had to have it they're 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 background characters in this one for sure um Brent more more less so than being Rames but yeah um yeah I mean that's that's fair it it, it does kind of well, go back to my. Thing comparing a little moment like that where they're yelling at each other compare that to the weird bit in three where the movie just stops so maggie q yes. and jonathan reese myers can talk about this little prayer or whatever mm-hmm. where that feels like oh we're actually are we gonna build on that is that like we're starting a little character place and we're gonna build uh no no never mind they're gone from the movie just ignore yes. that um whereas this is like oh that's just them interacting with each other in the action the movie's not stopping so that can yes. happen Yes. That's how you weave little bits of mm-hmm. character into action. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, but I think this also goes back to my uh, relative lack of familiarity with spy movies, or at least not really knowing what I want out of spy movies, because yeah. I kind of talked about the last one, that I kind of just, I want I want good characters, I guess, and good action, whatever. Well, the problem um, is, when, when, you, when you say spy movies, you got to throw on the caveat of pop spy movies. Yeah. Because, like, James Bond, the Bourne movies, Mission Impossible, they're all pop spy movies. Right. Whereas you go and watch, I don't know, Tinker Tailor Soldier yeah. Spy, yeah. which is like, an, you know, a more Authentic. realistic, yes, grounded, yes. historically based spy movie. And it's just like, oh, it's a lot of people in back rooms just talking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd rather have people on the run with explosions. <laughs> Especially if it's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is hanging outside a plane for my amusement. <laughs> I got. I have a problem with that shot. I don't think it's shot in an effective way for you to really realize. Hmm. Oh, that's actually Tom Cruise hanging outside a plane. The way the way they have the camera strapped to the side of the plane, it's like it could just be a green screen behind him. Hmm. Like I feel like the camera angle's not right. That's just me. Interesting. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. yeah. Overall, that's that's probably my biggest flaw with the movie. Um, I have I have other flaws that I'll get into, but just I feel like we we had a really good place where we started from with Ghost Protocol with the team, and then we just kind of we're just gonna keep on doing Mission Impossible things. It's fine. Don't think about it. Yeah. Oh well, that, that, and that, that goes to your point of you you didn't you didn't like. Ghost yes. Protocol as much as yes. I did, so, so I don't mind obviously, that. obviously, that's not going to factor in as much to your thoughts on this movie, right? So, although I, I do like that they have a nice bit of continuity at the very beginning with mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin when they're having the hearing, they're like we were this close to having a nuclear yeah. warhead hit us. Is this the first one that actually follows up directly on the events of the previous? Yes. Weird. Yes. Took them five movies. That's well, fun. that that goes with the standalone nature that Tom Cruise was going yeah, for, yeah. and having very specific—I I don't want to say auteurs, but you know—very specific visions with the directors doing each film. Are you saying J.J. Abrams is not an auteur? 
Uh, he does like lens flares, so whenever I watch a J.J. Abrams movie, I know I'm watching a J.J. Abrams movie. True. So if that's the definition we're going by, then yes. <laughs> yes, he is. What about Brad Bird? It's Brad Bird and Ottawa. Look, all I know is John Woo likes slow motion, dual wheel <laughs> pistols, and pigeons, okay? The man's an artistic genius. What is it with spy movies and pigeons? What, moving on. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that that's... You see, it's kind of a give and take type thing. So I love how... You know, one of my problems with it is that it doesn't really move on with the team dynamic going forward into this film. But it does still work as a direct sequel to Ghost Protocol. Yes. And we're starting to build a little bit of a continuity here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that obviously that goes into Fallout, which is even more of a direct sequel. Yes. Um, I do have to ask how you feel about IMF being taken down yet again. <laughs> eh. Or it doesn't, it, it's not really taken down. It really it doesn't start back up, I guess, is more how it works. Yeah. At this point, I'm just kind of like, why not? Tom Cruise on the run? Sounds I've never heard that before. Good. Tell me about it. All I can think of is from... Have you seen Ratatouille recently? I've never seen Ratatouille. Have you never seen Ratatouille? There's a great nope. line where... Uh, Brad Bird film, right? Sounds right. Probably. Could have fooled me. Um, there's a great line where... Um, the, the, the restaurant critic, at one point, he asks them... They they ask him what he wants to to eat, and he's like, "How about some fresh perspective?" And the waiter's like, "What? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." And he's like, "Well, considering no one else in this town seems to have any either, I'll go ahead and order this." It's actually he orders, or I think he he asked the chef to. Anyway, point is that I think about that line a lot about the what's some fresh perspective. It's like we have Tom Cruise running again from from the government's. Again, it's very true. Because the bad guys infiltrated things or or whatever, and and now no one trusts him. Even though you should probably always trust Ethan Hunt, because he's a crazy man, <laughs> but he's on our side. Yes. Um. So let's talk about how much better this movie is than Spectre, because I've never <laughs> done that before. <laughs> it's the exact same plot. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. It's a secret shadowy organization that is causing these these terrible events to happen around the world so they can gain tighter, tighter control of the government. Mm-hmm. That's the exact plot of Spectre. <laughs> this movie came out first, by the way. That's and funny. it's better. Also, Solomon Lane just has far more presence than <laughs> Christoph Waltz's mm. Blofeld. Mostly just because Blofeld has no character other than I'm your brother, be mad at me. Um, so Waltz is like, I guess I'll just do Christoph Waltz things? Yes. Whereas, no. I don't even remember the, the actor's name. Let me look that up real quick. But I, I really, really like Solomon Lane in this. Yeah. Um, mostly due to the actor's performance, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it's like very on much, paper um, he's he's a pretty typical villain. Yeah. Um, and obviously a lot of it 
a lot of my enjoyment of Solomon Lane as a character comes through with with how how they follow through with that in in Fallout. Right. So, but it's very much a Philip Seymour Hoffman scenario where yes. we like him because Sean of the acting. Yeah, um, and... he's one of the he's the guy who makes the maps in Prometheus, who somehow gets lost despite making the maps. <laughs> and Tyler rescinds his worst thing he'll change it to Sean Harris being in this movie because Sean Harris was also in Prometheus yes um but yeah he's he's good just, he's... just the moment when they're in the cemetery mm-hmm. and Rebecca Ferguson's returned after she's got the drive and she just talked to her handler at MI6 and he's pretty much like no you're going back over there I don't care if you die or yeah. not you're going to yeah. kill Ethan Hunt and you're going to do whatever they want because I'm I, I'm a snooty British man mm-hmm. um, and they go over there and they test it and it's blank and just this moment of Solomon Lane just like frustrated and he just like strokes her face like mm-hmm. he's about to do something like he's about to start strangling her or something I'm like is that written on paper or is that just the actor <laughs> I'm terrified right now he and Rebecca Ferguson have excellent chemistry in mm-hmm. terms of just like making the scene immediately be like oh snap. well also Sean Harris just has a very distinct look anyway mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. helps when you have a villain yeah just helping them, you know, that little extra bit to make them more memorable. Yeah. Um, and then they completely go with a different look for him because they have him grow out his facial hair and stuff for the next movie, mm-hmm. which helps to keep it interesting. So mm-hmm. I like that. Um, Character change, progress, realism. All that being said and how much better this is than Spectre, because it is. It's a million miles ahead of Spectre because Spectre is the worst thing ever made. I'll never stop I saying it. would not even slightly be surprised if you said, all that being said, and then went into another criticism of Spectre. I kind of feel like that's what was coming there. So about Spectre. <laughs> but, um... Where's I going with that? I do have some problems with how they handled the syndicate. I don't feel like they go far enough with having it be a fully fleshed out organization. Yeah. Um, and the same goes with Solomon Lane. Like I get it. He he was screwed over by his government, so he's. But but he seems. You know, I, if I look past the performance, how much of his motivation is just he's crazy. Versus, like, he has an actual philosophy about how he views the world. True. And he does have a couple of token moments where he starts to get into his motivation and stuff. But I feel like... Push it a little bit more. And especially when it gets down to... So his organization is made up of a bunch of spies that were disavowed by their governments and presumed dead. Why did they join? Why? Why is the, why is the Bone Doctor so interested in the Syndicate? Money. <laughs> A G five airplane <laughs> and lots of money. Play. Cute, cute, cute. Tom Cruise dancing to get back. Yes. Correct. But I, I feel like, well, especially like the Bone Doctor. Perfect example. Really interesting origin or or he sounds interesting when we first hear about him Mm -hmm. and then he does nothing the whole movie except get stabbed in the head by rebecca ferguson (laughs) hey that ain't nothing that's pretty good but 
like the bone doctor and he's got like the weird sharp ring that he's always taken off and I'm like this guy seems interesting why are we doing nothing with him I don't know I, I feel you're, like they, they really could have played up the shadowy organization bit a, you know a, a lot more you're 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 accurate in your assessment of that character but I also can't help but imagine Tom Cruise saying your complaints like he's just standing there in the room he's like hey this guy sounds interesting what like or Ethan Hunt like Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt just this guy yeah. sounds interesting I want to hear more about this can you Tell tell me about yourself, like just like <laughs> crazy Ethan Hunt, just yeah, trying to get more characterization out of people. Anyway, yeah. I do like that this plot is not just hey, bad guy has nuclear, a generic yeah. nuclear device like with Ghost Protocol, and then like with Fallout. I will say, if I have one flaw with Fallout, it might be that. Mm-hmm. Other than Jeremy Renner not being in the movie and but even Paul then, not being there, it doesn't use uh, Follow doesn't use nuclear devices in the same way that you would expect it to. It's it's a no, but twist. still, just like, can we come up with something a bit more creative? This but it one is, creative, is pretty is much what I'm saying it's a it's an I think that's a very int- I think the way they use it is very interesting. I will make that argument eh. in the next episode. Eh, this one it's fine <laughs> right now. Um, but I like the fact that this one is just like the bad guy if we get him all of this money coming from the british government he pretty much wins because you can't stop him after that yeah i like that Mm -hmm. and it makes it feel it's it's just nice because it doesn't feel like also connection with pirates of the caribbean you were talking about earlier we got we got our our good old uh, yeah um it's just good business guy Mm -hmm. here's the Mm -hmm. prime minister Mm -hmm. what's his name in that i've already forgotten is he beckett yes he's beckett yes um but yeah, the it, it it's nice because it there's never really a point again kind of going back to the stakes of the last movie where I never really bought the stakes of the last movie. There's never really a point where this movie feels like we are dealing with the end of the world. Right. This movie it feels a lot more subtle and feels a lot more like Ethan Hunt is trying to unravel this conspiracy because obviously we get him trying to track them down and and there's terrorist events happening. They're clearly in- influencing world world events. Uh, and and we know that like it it's basically I mean it's almost what you would expect from like James Bond encounter Inspector for the first time. Um, it's it's he doesn't he's not necessarily like I have this blood feud and they're going to blow up the world and I have to take them down. It's I have just run into the nefarious plot of a uh, deep crime syndicate and I'm trying to. Uh, take them down or at least stop their nefarious plans and I end up getting tangled up with them like it doesn't feel like a generic good guy over here bad guy over there fight it, it, it you know and it, there there's it's complex it's it's not it's not just a straight up gotta stop the MacGuffin from doing the thing and stop the villain and I don't know. It, I I appreciate it a lot because again, it doesn't end with a missile almost crashing into yeah. major city, which still kind of yeah. rubs me the wrong way from the last one. That's fair. Yeah, I can agree. That's this like one area where so. this is a bit of an improvement. I would say overall that the story for this one is a bit of an improvement mm-hmm. over the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it overall it just feels more ambitious, and that's why I feel. Like we could have pushed it a little bit for, further with exploring the syndicate in Solomon yeah. Lane, um, because yeah. the movie is already 
pretty ambitious with what it's trying to do. Um, but I guess the last one, right? Um, but I guess part of then, why that doesn't bother yeah. me so much is because, like I was saying, it feels like they're setting, and it, and it definitely helps that I have seen Fallout now, and I know where they're going with this. But it feels like they're actually kind of setting up a recurring villain as opposed yeah. to this is the be all end all. We got to take down the big evil government thing. And I mean, it's the it first villain we've kept alive. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, well, I. I don't know. One thing that, that with Fallout is just kind of the syndicate falls apart. <laughs> like yeah. we kind of just drop that, and it's more just like we but got also, something online. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. it's we'll kind of we'll get there. Yeah, it gets complicated. Isn't it nice way. to be talking about one of these and then actually be thinking about the sequel because it matters? <laughs> <laughs> Continuity, folks. When you care, it can work. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, you have X Men Apocalypse. What? Oh, you went there. I went there, even though I like that movie more than most people, I'd say. Uh, yeah, Um. do we want to talk about the action sequences then? Sure. Okay. Uh, so, so my point, well, if you're, if you're going to leave it to me, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to say why I think this is better than Ghost Protocol. Uh, ah, because so, I, I made the wrong decision it, here. It, my, my point in the last, um, movie was that it felt like the movie kind of fizzled out very quickly uh, it had the was it a yeah like the entire um kremlin thing basically yeah um and then of course kind of getting on the run and escaping from from russia kind of and uh the the death of the other secretary that apparently we knew very closely <laughs> um and then uh the sure yeah then the uh obviously the tower scene and everything with that and Tom Cruise running through a sandstorm. Uh, but then after that, there's, there's not really like a super iconic or, or I would say particularly like impressive uh, set piece um, where this one, it, I mean the, the finale is not necessarily all that exciting, but I think just the general uh, con- or the general kind of event that it's centered around with, with Tom Cruise, Simon Pegg, and Rebecca Ferguson sitting at a table, and they are oh, talking over the, the kind of intercom thing through, or to Solomon Lane. Yeah. Like, that's that's all just, I think, that that's a great climax to the, the movie, is, is that kind of moment, and then from there we kind of, we kind of burst off into the final uh, run and eventual capture of Solomon. I think that yeah. that for one is a also just off. just the 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 fun setup and payoff of Ethan gets trapped in a glass yes. box and knocked out by gas, and then mm-hmm. he does the exact same thing to Solomon mm-hmm. Lane. Like I got you. I am really glad they did not kill him off because I feel like it would have been very easy to do that. Have the satisfying oh one liner shoot kill cool. Yeah. Well, also it does something that I really wish once again Spectre had done mm-hmm. where. When Solomon Lane gets trapped in that box, he gets... He freaks out. Yes. Like, he starts shooting everything in sight, and he, he starts, like, banging on the glass and stuff. As opposed to Blofeld and Spectre, where it's like, he's calm and cool the whole time. And then at the very end, when Bond has a gun in his head, he's just calm and cool. Yep. I'm like, oh, that's not very interesting. Let's have our villain get... Oh, yeah. ...feel threatened. And it's weird, because it's 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 almost freaky. Like, even as we know he's captured, and they've, they've got yeah. him, like, he's... Solomon is is like, it looks like he's trying to calculate like how to shoot. Like he's he's yeah. thinking about how to shoot his way out of this. Like he's it's yeah, it's like unsettling. 
mm-hmm. the performances, and it's great. And um, just that one bit where the gas starts to engulf him for a few seconds, and you don't see him, and then suddenly he pushes himself yes. forward and yeah. just like implants his body into the side of the glass. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, I love it. Um, as far as other set pieces go, we've got. Uh, I mean, we've got several major ones. Like, there's the. Uh, Obviously, you got the the heist of the underwater digital thing, which is just a, a creative, uh, almost reimagining of the Mission Impossible One, um, yeah. scenario, where they've got to get in and switch the profiles, and Tom Cruise gets uh, knocked out finally because he runs out of air, and Rebecca Ferguson Ferguson has to save him. Is that what happens to your body when like you start to drown? Does your face get all puffy like that? No, no, probably. Because his face looked weird. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no. But yeah. Um, I would imagine so, because I assume he did it. I assume he actually uh, <laughs> ran out of breath underwater for uh, for entertainment. For my amusement. Um, yes. Because Zenu whispered in his ear and told him to do it. <laughs> but uh, with that, like, it's it's a cool scene. Like, there's a lot of tension to it. But at the same time, it it it, it feels like it's being digitally altered. That's the scene that probably bothered me the most with mm-hmm. regards to that. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, the bit where, um, you know, he starts to float away and Rebecca Ferguson catches him. Yeah. And just, like, the physics of them circling around and then she finally grabs the door and she, like, barely touches it and, it, yeah. like, it flings them through. It, it feels... There's a sense that of... That feels super cartoony to me. Yes, and, the, and there's sort of a thing there where it's, like... I think I think it's it's a weird effect that we probably don't talk about enough, um, but in this particular instance, I think I mean it's still a pretty effective scene, but like it could be a lot more effective if we felt that scene was like very realistic, because then we don't really know what's going to happen. Whereas when it's that cartoony, it's sort of the, I think it sort of even subconsciously takes you out of the movie to be like I'm watching a movie. The writers are going to decide what happens here because right it doesn't feel real to me. So it, it, it's, it's just a matter of what do the writers think needs to happen here. And so they're going to kind of direct the thing and, and push the effects the way they need it to go. And that's how it's well, going to go down. Another bond comparison, mm-hmm. some, something that bond actually did better, but like compared the scene of Vesper drowning in Casino Royale yep. to, to yep. this. And I'm not saying you have to do it that dark, <laughs> but that I completely bought is her drowning in the water and she's dead. Yes. Yeah. Versus this, where I'm like, that's oh, kind of cartoony. I'm sure he'll be fine. It's Tom Cruise. It's yeah. fine. Which is a lot of a lot of bashing on a overall very very fun set piece. Um, yeah. Which leads into the the car chase sequence that we mentioned earlier, which is just delightful, just wonderful, um, all over the place. I actually, and again, we'll have to talk about this. I might like it a little more than the Fallout car chase scene. We'll have to we'll have to compare those. Um, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of the motorcycle yeah. uh, chasing, and of course you've got uh, well, Brant it, it's and... because it it, cha- it it changes its pace every every yes. few minutes. Like yes. it does something new. It's not just the same thing for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, we start off, you know, we just survive this this horrible you know water sequence, and what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Oh God, Rebecca Ferguson is she a traitor? What's going on? Motors are we got, get in the car. There, there's the wonderful moment where, where Tom Cruise tries to f- jump over the car and he completely falls. <laughs> are you, is it safe for you to j- be driving? You were dead a, like a couple <laughs> minutes ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. 
and then they get in the car. It's an awesome car chase, and then they crash, and then Tom Cruise has to get on the motorcycle, and then it turns into a motorcycle chase. Like, it's really, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it keeps changing pace. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's creative. Um, good chase. <laughs> good chase. <laughs> I don't chase. have much more to talk about with that, but. Just, Tom Cruise is um, willing to put his knees to, <laughs> to the ground while driving at 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle for my amusement, Tyler. Yes. But again, you've got, um, and also, I think the best part of that might be the might be when he's on the highway and he's just kind of like they're all weaving through traffic and stuff, and it's it's crazy. Well, just another example of, of how much better this movie is than Spectre. Sure. You remember the scene where where Bond runs away from the party and he's in his fancy Aston Martin and Dave Bautista's chasing him in the Ferrari and they're driving through um it was a Prague maybe and they're driving at night and like it gorgeous looking chase scene. I'm not taking that away from the movie. I remember almost none of this. It 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 looks great. It's gorgeously shot. It's the bit where um the slow guy yeah yeah is is in front of him and Bond's having to push him forward and he ends up hitting the parking spot and the airbag goes off and it's yeah. like ha, 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 are you laughing now kids? <laughs> um remember when we took this seriously a couple movies ago? Um I've my problems with Spectre are multi-tiered, okay? <laughs> but that scene there's like no traffic there's no cars yeah. like where is everybody right now we're in, we're in a city yeah where is everyone where oh, is this? Uh, don't worry it's abandoned they they told us it was abandoned uh the government anderson cooper got on cnn and said it was abandoned yes, the government so i gotta that believe it's, an, him. it's an abandoned uh yeah yeah i almost said abandoned How are we warehouse bringing another that trash movie into this why are you doing this to me <laughs> Continue. Anyways, with this sequence, there's traffic, there's other cars, there's other obstacles that they have to avoid, and Ethan actually uses that to his advantage. I love when the truck's coming at them, and he turns the car sideways to pin the motorcycles against the walls. That is awesome. Yep. It's awesome. <laughs> it's good stuff. I don't know. It's funny that you're you're saying you don't like how, like, Ghost Protocol, you think the set pieces, it kind of blows its load too early. Mm-hmm. I feel like the sequence where Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise, where Ilsa and Ethan are running away like into foggy London as these gunmen are chasing them, I feel like that should be like your opening scene. No, I agree. See, I agree, but it it does kind of go back to my point of that. That still has two things going for it, and the fact of a it's preceded by a really great dialogue scene where it's it's a great climax in that form as opposed to kind of. The ending of, of Ghost Protocol is sort of just their their Mr. Lane. I'm gonna match your crazy with my crazy. Yes. I memorized every <laughs> single code. You want to test me on this? Zenu told me I know the codes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's there's character stakes there. Um, it's just it's just a good a good scene. Even if the action after it isn't like amazing. It's still... See, you say that, but I I love all the party stuff in Ghost Protocol yeah. with Paul Patton having to seduce the guy and yeah. Jeremy Renner's. But like, I on, I just don't know, think he's that... stuck inside the the the, uh, the server yeah. room and and things are heating up. I like all that stuff. Um, but my thing is, I I still it doesn't hit me nearly as hard on the character level as like like those are good those are good good pieces. But like this is like the climax of the movie. Solomon Lane has put. Benji directly sort of in the path of his destruction. Ethan has to save him. Ethan's there with Rebecca, or Rebecca Ferguson, with Ilsa. Hear me out. 
another Spectre comparison, and it, it, just in terms of, I've told you this before, what I wanted from the ending of Spectre, where instead of just Bond running throughout old MI6 looking for uh, Leah Seydoux's character, because, mm-hmm. oh, hey, she's suddenly just a damsel in distress, um, we're, we're fully, like, dehumanizing this character, and she's just generic Bond girl at this yes. point. Um and I was like, what if Dave Batista came back and it was like a cat and mouse game where they're running for their lives and it's like a brutal fight to the death against him as, as MI6 is crumbling. And they do something similar with this, where, where they're, they're like running and they're scrambling to get mm-hmm. to that spot where they can trick Solomon Lane. Like, mm-hmm. literally take this movie and insert Daniel Craig. <laughs> do it! <laughs> yeah, basically. Um... But yeah, and, and that was going to be my other point, is that this also has a really satisfying ending for the villain of, oh, we captured him, we turned the tables, we did the thing to him that they, he did to me. Um, you know, it's 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 a really satisfying, cathartic ending for, for uh, a pretty hectic uh, movie. And, and so You're starting to win me over again. That's what I'm saying. Is that, like, the, the other one, I think, just... The other one. Uh, Ghost Protocol... Um, again goes back to the villain and and that is a lot of where my problems come in it's just that the villain's not as effective yeah um, but sort of like throws himself see more or less killing himself off a ledge in a car park um yeah and then it's kind of just tom cruise typing that stuff and i don't know it's eh, meh. it's not bad but i feel like this one has a lot of emotional power to it but we don't have tom cruise yelling mission accomplished That's true. solomon lane gets enclosed in the glass box but we do have him saying welcome to M- to imf so or meet the imf or meet the imf yeah yeah so i yeah, like it That's yeah, pretty good yeah. um but i was gonna say also of course the opera house which we already mentioned um just delightful just an incredible set piece start to finish um what's the is it quantum of solace that does the opera house Yes. Oh God. We're we're just comparing it to all of Daniel Craig's Bond movies today. I'm trying to think if we got. I feel like we. Well, that one's not actually trying to weave what's going on. Like it doesn't use True. the the actual opera itself, other than intercutting between the opera <laughs> and the action for. Well, that's kind of reasons. exactly what, I, what I'm talking about. Is that like you pick up pieces of the opera going on. And it, well, also, it, it adds a just great bit of atmosphere. There's a specific note at which yes. Ilsa is supposed to fire yes. because it'll be so loud that nobody will hear the gunshot. Mm-hmm. Use the environment to your advantage, as Ra's al Ghul once said. Yeah, yeah, and it's and we mind we your up, surroundings. We pick up the atmosphere of the opera while all these fights are going on because we're just panning around through so much of the opera house. Like yeah. we we just get that we don't need to like constantly cut away to it. And I think there are some cuts to it, but like it's, it's well, it, just it, very well done. If you're going to do something like that, like, Oh, we're going to have this, this awesome set piece is going to happen at this event. Use the event. Don't have it just be like, it's just a cool thing. It's a backdrop. Yeah. So bond can listen in to these people's meeting, even though why would they actually be meeting at this place? Like the yeah. logic yeah, starts yeah, yeah. to break yeah. down real fast, especially when this one, you know, it, it's it's more realistic than than four, but it's 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 not pretending to be like a super serious spy thriller like Quantum of Solaces. So mm-hmm. w- when they use these big events, it's it's I'm not questioning it as hard. Yeah, yeah. And then they end up using it smarter anyway. So, eh. 
Anyways, I see there, there, there's a give and take to what works in in spy movies and balancing uh, pop spy movies and balancing the ridiculous stuff with the the more serious grounded stuff. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of which, how do you feel about Tom Cruise being a rag doll in this movie? I noticed that more with the last one. I noticed it a lot here. Like what what scenes specifically? Particularly when he crashes the motorcycle. I think that's the biggest one that I noticed. Interesting. I feel like I noticed that a lot in the other one as well as far as him just kind of like taking huge falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened a lot. Yeah. They've, they've made him pretty indestructible at this point. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's a problem or not. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I should be criticizing it more. But at the same time, the movie kind of knows what it is. Yep. It's another knock against Spectre. It thinks it's smarter than it is. Mm-hmm. This Rogue Nation knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyways. And it's still pretty smart. Yeah. Be interesting going into Fallout, <laughs> noticing how... It, <laughs> I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head other than like some stuff from the ending... Yeah, same. regarding just how much damage Ethan Hunt can take, but it'll, I, I, it'll be interesting going back to that. Um, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that immediately after this, but we'll get there. We'll get yep. there soon enough. Um, so regarding the action scenes, there is a specific thing that I noticed. This is a nitpick of sorts, and now it's kind of changing like it's breaking my mind in terms of just movies and editing mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. I noticed this a lot throughout this movie and particularly the action set pieces right as a moment of impact is happening. So if Tom Cruise is about to hit a guy right as he's going to punch the guy, the footage speeds up to the moment of impact hmm. and it goes back to normal. So it's very quick. You, 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 Barely notice it. You probably I wouldn't even notice did it not at all. Notice it. <laughs> I noticed it a lot. Interesting. A lot. Like, there's a lot of parts where Rebecca Ferguson, she's pulling a Black Widow and she's spinning around guys and, and mm. throwing them around and stuff. I noticed a lot of footage was sped up, um, but it's very quick, so you don't notice it as much. Except I did within like during the opening sequence when when she's saving him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ethan is somehow able to, like, pull himself up that pole yeah. by just, like, f- sheer force of will. Yeah. Just, like, throwing himself up it. I don't know how that works or if that's even possible. Yeah. But anyways, um, I was noticing just a lot. And it was specifically, like, moments of impact. Hmm. Like, right as a moment's happening, it suddenly speeds up. Um, and I don't know if that was just to increase the impact of it. A lot of times, the the move, you know, the action going on is so fast, you don't you don't notice it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like most people, if they're listening to this, they have no idea what I'm talking about, and they think I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, you seen see this? It, can't you? You can see it, can't you? <laughs> have you Tyler? seen this in other movies? Have you noticed this? No, and that's I noticed you're, it this time, and now if... I'm now I'm like. Have I just been watching movies incorrectly? <laughs> I mean, I would argue maybe it's correct to just let it happen and not pay attention. That's fascinating. Yeah, I noticed it a lot. And, and obviously, I've brought this up several times before, but like, I love Mad Max Fury Road, but my biggest problem with that movie is just that so much of the footage is sped up. And s- speeding up the footage always bothers me unless it's done with a purpose. Yes. Um, and even then, if it's done with a purpose... 
Like, if it's done for, like, one scene, sure, fine. Or if it's, like, a superpower or, like, some kind of gimmick for why it's sped up, yeah. sure. But when it's just supposed to be action scene, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I, it takes me out of the movie every time. So, with something like this, where it's just these short little snippets just sprinkled throughout, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> Fascinating. I'm surprised that wasn't your worst thing, knowing that that's your pet peeve. Well, it's, it's weird because I feel like people could easily just be like, well, what about slow motion? How does that not drive you bonkers? And I feel like the purpose for speeding up footage versus using slow motion is very different. Yeah. Uh, so slow motion, usually it's for either, like, you have a character gimmick, like Quicksilver slows down. Mm-hmm. Or the Flash, mm-hmm. everything slows down. So he moves around at normal speed, but then everything slows down. Like, that makes sense. Um, so you can get a feel for what his power actually is. Or, like Watchmen, Zack Snyder specifically slows down different moments so you can take in the visuals and be like, oh, comic book image. Like, he's actually showing me in it a panel from the comic. Yes. Like, there's a there's a, there's a a logic to it. You love it or hate it, there's a logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just when you're shooting slow-mo at, like, a very nice frame rate, like it, and it looks smooth and seamless. Like it doesn't bother me. Having sped up footage for the most part, like I, it just always seems off to me because I'm just like that. Just looks very choppy, mm-hmm. just because people are moving super fast. I don't know. And oftentimes it's just to make up for bad action, right? But this movie has great action, so I don't know what's happening. Hmm. This is an interesting philosophical debate as to. Whether slow motion, if slow motion is okay, why isn't why isn't fast motion, fast mo, yeah. if you will? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I I prefer slow motion, but <laughs> well, I'd prefer normal motion for sure, everything. Sure. But you know, but <laughs> I'm saying if I yeah, I I think all your points as far as the smoothness and and the lack of distracting you from the movie, it uh, it's kind of like a, um jumping up the frame rate like with the hobbit movies how peter yeah. jackson was like was it 48 frames mm-hmm. a second whatever that was and it's like it it looks like it's fat on fast forward yeah it just doesn't look right that's that's kind of a lot of it is a mental thing so i don't know that was that was just something i noticed and i feel like every time i watch this movie i hope i hope to god it's not in fallout <laughs> because that's just gonna drive me nuts I've seen that movie like three times and i don't think I didn't notice it in this movie before last night when I watched it again. True. I don't know. If... So now I'm just like, every time I watch our an movies movie, broken, I'm ask myself, are movies broken? That's funny. Seriously, go back and watch some of the action sequences and specifically look for moments of impact mm-hmm. and see if I'm crazy. I probably am crazy. There's a lot of truth to that, but I think I'm right here. Interesting. So now that I've gotten off of that, mm-hmm. moving on. Did you find Alec Baldwin distracting at all? No. I find him... I, I, I find him to be a very distracting actor. Yeah. And that's mostly just because his... his uh, you know, how he ha- handles himself publicly. Mm-hmm. I thought you, you were going to say because of his, his SNL Trump impressions. That would be my, I'm not, my I'm first not, thing. I'm not going to start getting political. But no, 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 I'm not even saying a, because of political. I'm just saying that I think that yeah. is such a, like, weirdly iconic thing that he does. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's just yeah. immediately, like, what comes to mind with him. Yeah. Well, for me, it's... He's one of those actors where I can't separate the actor from 
you know, I, I well, I, I, yeah, I can't separate the actor and the character. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, that's just Alec Baldwin. Right. But then Ethan Hunt's just Tom Cruise, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He in this one, he's, he's he's not who I would have picked for this part, right? But he's giving an actual performance, which is that's true, which is nice. Um, like he he is genuinely trying, and so, and he actually has an arc, yeah. And and you know, I can live with that. Well, I like how they don't just play him as oh, he's just a bad guy the whole time. Yeah, like he actually he he just cares mm-hmm. about his country, and he wants to make sure that. The job's getting done. People get saved. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But uh, anyways, like, like Alec Baldwin, like he, he's he's a very he's got a very big persona. I'll just say in 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 his uh, right public work. Right. Um. So I don't know. I was ha- I was having a bit of difficulty separating that from the character. Hmm. I don't know. Just a small little thing. That's not a big deal. Alec Baldwin's fine in the movie. I'm sure. Exaggerating my thoughts a little bit. Um, I do like him in Fallout. Kind of, he he did kind of grow on me mm-hmm. as the films yeah. progressed. Yeah, I think he. But then, spoilers, they kill him, so it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, just as I was starting to like this guy. I, I I do like the movie quite a bit, and the more you're talking talking about it, the more I like it. Um, Are there any other major salient points we need to we need to cover here? Tom Cruise doesn't run. That's enough. true. That's very enough. true. Mm-hmm. There are bits where he runs, and he's running very fast. But it's but not. He's not. It's not enough. He's he's I charging up. He's charging up for Fallout. <laughs> he's charging up. He's 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 just warming up. Yes. He's stretching. Yes. Um, I love the bit where Rebecca Ferguson's like running from the Bone Doctor or something, and it pans over to like this window, and suddenly you just see Tom Cruise and this other guy just burst <laughs> through it. It's great. Yeah, the great little. There's a lot of fun, fun directorial things like that where they just sort of. I just didn't feel like the camera work was on par with the last one. Like the last one, I was really amazed by the yeah. How brad bird handled that stuff and i just didn't feel that same energy to this the really? action scenes yeah for me the last one felt almost too and we kind of talk about this the last one felt almost too clinical <laughs> sterile um and i like that about it yeah. i don't know it's, it's very i strange. mean it's fair i don't I, I can't like poke a hole in it and i, I have no c- cinematographic uh well, watch watch I go back in that movie it's all on fast forward the entire movie I've been is fast forward. I've been watching the whole thing on fast forward this whole time <laughs> um my eyes have been opened yeah. uh I I'm in a, I'm not in the, this one I just feel like and even if not this, like I don't I don't know that I can point to specific things that make me think oh the the directing's overall better um I just feel like the set pieces are better I think is is more kind of which is weird to say with the big tower set piece but I uh, I don't know. I don't know that I feel like they did that much with it in Ghost Protocol, aside from obviously Tom Cruise climbing on the outside of a tower in for our amusement. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I mean the the big thing that again that really sets this one apart, and and I don't know how much I can get into this in a way that extols its virtues without just being like, here's the plot. It's good. 
um, yeah. is the Ilsa stuff and just the fact that I mean the entire kind of unraveling of the fact that she is working for MI6 but also she is undercover for the syndicate because she's yeah. trying to clear her name and MI6 betrays her um, the, the the bit with the erasing of the, the, the flash drive is pretty great and the fact that Simon yeah. Pegg made a copy of it um, because of course he did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's all done. Well, I also love that Ilsa's not just Ethan's love interest. Yes, she's really not at all Ethan's love interest. And, and it's not even like a thing where she starts to flirt with him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I I had a wife." Or they like they don't feel the need to call back to Julia mm-hmm. in an annoying pandering way, because um, we kind of already got our satisfying outro to their relationship yeah. in the last one yeah. and of course she shows up in Fallout and that's pretty effective how mm-hmm. they handle that mm-hmm. but it's just nice that they at no point do they feel the need to like make out yeah. or say stupid reasons or, or, or say I love you <laughs> Spectre's the worst <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know it, it's just yeah and it, she really is very much her own character like she's just like trying to get out of the situation there's never a point where you yeah. feel like she's there for the purpose of other characters growth or development or anything it is just yeah. she is there uh, having this struggle and trying to get out of it And she is a smart independent woman that don't need no man in fact she'll try and kill them all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I applaud her for it <laughs> um I also really appreciate uh, the the entire kind of MI MI six uh, prime minister scene where where they is it is it Hatley that they I think it's just Atley, Atley. no H okay is 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 Hatley the the Daredevil season three detective lady anyway um, yes I think that's correct yes, something like that we just watched Daredevil season three we binged it all it was delightful go watch it yes that um. But yeah, uh, Daredevil still continues to be my favorite superhero thing ever. <laughs> Daredevil even season with, three is the best. Even with even with the downturn that season two starts to take, and I'm not including Defenders in any of this. Plot. Daredevil is where it's at. Plot twist: Daredevil season three is the best Marvel Netflix show since Daredevil season two. Uh, but yeah, the. The overall um, handling of that and the, the kind of them playing both Alec Baldwin and the Prime Minister and Atlee uh, yep. all together is, is pretty great. Um, and they still know how to effectively trick us with a good mask. Yes. <laughs> well, this... It, 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 they don't feel the need to use it like every every other scene. It's, it's right when you like, forget I feel, that they're I feel going like... to use those at all. Yeah, I feel like putting this franchise in the wrong hands like John Woo and having the mask be used every other scene. <laughs> well, that's... Like, eventually uh, it stops being so surprising. They do a great thing to throw you off track is that they have it be like, oh, maybe Benji's going to have to use a mask. There's a lot of masks and two aren't there. Yes, yes, there are. I just made that as a joke. Now I'm just there, I'm having this dawning realization uh, that there's a lot of masks yes. in two. But, and, and they play continue to play on this with... um. Six as well, and we'll get into that. But uh, I love the fact that they they have a throwaway line where they're or a throwaway kind of scene, basically where Benji puts on a mask and they're like, "All right, we're going to use this yeah. to get you in." But they're like, "It doesn't." Uh, Ilsa's like, "It's not going to matter. They're going to spy you anyway." And so he's like, "All right, so that's that's completely out the window." And so it's kind of like, an, right. "Oh, are we going to?" No, we're not going to use the mask. Um, 
and then we move on. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna just write out like these interesting spy elements, Mm -hmm. like some of the gadgets that they can use and stuff, be methodical about it. Actually, try and think through the set piece and Mm -hmm. how you're gonna be using this stuff. Don't just have some peg show up at the beginning of the movie and say. Ethan, I heard you got your mission. Here's X, Y, and Z gadgets I'm going to give you, and you will use all of them by the time the movie is done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, too. In- what is it? It's a watch. Do they use... Does it do anything? It tells the time. <laughs> oh. Do they use the masks? That's a nice part in... Specter, why I didn't want to gouge my eyes out. Do they I like that use bit. the masks at all in four? <laughs> uh, remember, they start to. They're like, we're going to use masks. That's what I was going to say. Is I know that the, it doesn't fail, but then they never yeah. bring it back, right? Right. It's a fun thing. Well, the bad guy uses a mask because he pretends. To, Hendrix pretends to be his his henchman, his mm-hmm. right hand man, when he goes into the 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 skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that scene, you know, he rips the mask right. off and it's him. Okay. Which begs the question of who exactly has this mask <laughs> technology oh, outside ever. of IMF. You can buy it on eBay for 50 bucks. <laughs> Phillips, are... The only difference say, between... Are you giving us a backdoor excuse for some of these villains to come back? The the, the only... Unfortunately, they can't bring back Philip Seymour yes. Hoffman. The only, one we, want, Philip the only Hoffman. one we would want back cannot come back. Um, the... Uh, the uh, I I I want uh, Doug Ray Scott to come back. I was gonna say just so we can shoot him in the head in the opening sequence. I was gonna say John Voight. Um, oh, the the only no, he's too busy doing his Fantastic Beasts cameo. Yeah. Uh, why is he in that movie? <laughs> the um, the only difference between our universe and the Mission Impossible universe is that someone developed this mask technology. That's the only thing that changed. Sometime in like the, sometime it. in like the eighties. And then that just changed everything. I was going to say during the Cold War. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. like early, early 60s. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I go back to our original point. I like the I fact... I like it a lot that they, they tease it. They make it seem like, oh, we're not going to use that. You know, that's... We're, we're too good for that. And it's like, no, we're not. We're going to use the mask so hard. Um, right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and it's not... It's used in a creative way. It's a creative scene. Um... Yeah, it it's interesting because I know you've you've talked about how isn't it these last is it just these last two or last three, as in five and six or four five and six that were kind of just written on the fly. Five and six, okay, specifically because you can almost because Christopher McQuarrie just writes things on the fly. Apparently, yes, and I he's a well he's a very intricate like screenwriter. Mm-hmm. He he wrote the the Usual Suspects, and I don't know if you've seen that. I think so. It's a very tightly plotted movie, uh-huh. and I, like he—he's—he's he's known for that. Yeah, and I think in six it might get a little out of hand. We'll have to track that. I'll have to try and lies uh, follow it. But in this one, Fallout if it, is the best movie ever made. Fallout is the best movie since Daredevil season three. Uh, <laughs> it feels like they are maybe just flying by the seat of their pants, like just a little uh, in yeah. this one. But at the same time. They they always have a very creative, straightforward, and and almost obvious way of like moving the plot along. Like whenever it seems like they might be in a place where it's like, oh, they're kind of stuck. It's like here's the thing, we're moving forward. Um, well, it's kind of just like you see this and then you hear that, 
And like I think there's there's an interview with with Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson for Fallout where mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, we didn't have a script when we started shooting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are they able that's, to do it right twice? That's absurd. Without a like just writing it on the fly, and then you got these other these other terrible movies where it's like, yeah, we 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 kind of rewrote the script halfway through production. Or even better, whoops, we wrote our bad, even, bro. Even better, we wrote the script five times. And we're meticulously trying to get to nail it down, Spectre. Uh, <coughs> yeah, before before we ever actually started doing anything with it. I'm sorry, I had five people around me that simultaneously mm-hmm. smoked cigarettes and then blew it in, <laughs> blew the smoke <laughs> in my face. But if you couldn't hear me, I was saying Spectre. <laughs> Woo! We have fun here. I don't even remember who who, did, who was the composer for this one. I didn't find the score to be all that memorable yeah. other than Mission Impossible theme. Yeah, which takes a lot of cues from the Giacchino Mission Impossible theme. Yeah. Let me let me check just to make sure. Joe oh. Kramer. Sure. That name sounds familiar. And not because of Kramer from Sifo. Uh, I don't know. You're continuing me, pull, to research. Pulling up his IMD page. I'm, I'm, We've got live research going on the podcast, folks. Oh, okay. This makes sense. He's worked with uh, Christopher McQuarrie before. He's He worked on uh, Jack Reacher. It's also a good movie. Shouldn't be a good movie, but it somehow ends up being a good movie. Um, see the first one. Don't see... Um, I think the second one is called Never Go Back, and it's just the worst and it's probably because Christopher McQuarrie didn't do that one. Interesting. How old are those? Uh, the first one's from, like, 2012, and the most recent one's from, like, 2017. It's, it's pretty new. Is, is Chris Pine the Jack, Jack Ryan? No, Jack Reacher. It's Tom Cruise. No, 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 but I'm saying is Chris Pine Jack Ryan. Chris Pine is one of the many Jack Ryans. Okay. Sounds good. But anyways, this composer also did the and way. And what of the about gun, guy who did Christopher Quiet movie. Place? John Krasinski, yeah, who is the current Jack Ryan. Okay, he's Jack Ryan. Remember our theory about how all the actresses in Hollywood are the same? <laughs> we could easily extend that to the men. Oh no, no, we could, we could. You are not wrong. Anyways, um. You've raised my spirits a little bit on this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a, the good old B+. Um, I think it, it's one of those situations where a lot of the things that don't work as well in Ghost Protocol are sort of lifted and then kind of the reverse. Uh, yeah, just just a couple of really solid spies, you know, fun spy movies. I'm going to slap the gauntlet on the table. That was a, a, a nail clipper, in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> it sounded like a gauntlet to me. <laughs> I mean, it a was gauntlet a gauntlet for a mouse. Okay. That's uh, a Mickey Mouse. I'm going with an A. Boom. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say, pal. I enjoy this one immensely. That's fair. I did not enjoy Ghost Protocol immensely, but I enjoy this one immensely. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll have to watch Fallout closely because I'm I'm not sure 
I don't know. That'll be an interesting review. But yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was very high on this. I was I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. I think the one of the best things about this one is that kind of like what I wanted for Ghost Protocol leading into this, but the, this this sets the foundations for a better movie. Mhm. Mhm. Really effectively. Mm-hmm. But not in a way that you feel unsatisfied by what you get. Right. Not in a X-Men 1 scenario yeah, yes. where it's like, oh, well, we kind of got everything set up. Or a it's, it's Mission kind of half a movie. Mission, well, not really Mission Impossible 1. That's not quite fair. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Agree with the overall point. Okay. Uh, it's not a regular old Force Awakens that just has a <laughs> bunch of mystery boxes that Ryan Johnson will just crap on. <laughs> it's not Halloween. I waited. I waited until the end to to ruin it for you. It's not Halloween 1978, which is just sequel bait for all those those crap Halloween movies. That's all it was. New Halloween's pretty good. New Halloween's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was gonna say we'll have to talk about that, but I was like, wait, <laughs> not done the previous ones. Probably, thankfully, I give it a B minus. Really. Yep. I'm not going to grade it because we, we, we might get there at some point. I don't want that on well, the just, record. Yeah, I, I'm adding that. First first viewing, B minus. I would be higher than that. Put put it that way. I, I, know, I know you would. I know you would, buddy. And not just because of pot. I was kind of hoping you'd go for a Creed joke. What? The song Higher by Creed. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Does anybody know what I'm actually talking about anymore? I feel like after I started talking about the sped up footage, people's (laughs) eyes just glazed over. You're like, oh. Even though they're not watching us, they're listening to us. That kind of podcast. They're using it to go to sleep. I feel like I'm not very good at discussing the technical details, but that's it's, it's What's something the thing that, that you use just... to film the 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 camera. And there's the the camera, and you press the on the, uh, button. It's it's what you it's what the it's the screen the screen. Good screen. All right, everybody. I think we're about done here. We stayed mostly on track. Yeah. All in all, watch this movie, and then go watch Spectre, and then be like, oh, oh, they're the exact same movie, except one is good. It's kind of (laughs) like for Superman and Civil War. That's very true. Except the good one didn't come out first. Yeah. Uh, You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on email at here come the sequels at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at hct sequels um you can find us on youtube and itunes you can just look up here come the sequels and you will find us we will be there for you uh that's about it it's also interesting to see the evolution of of simon Pegg's physique <laughs> like he starts off as just this chubby computer nerd in in three and then like this one he's like He's pretty wiry. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. They're they're actually grooming that, him to take I'm, over the franchise. 
<laughs> once, once Tom Cruise... They tried it with Jeremy Renner and it didn't work. They're preparing for Tom Cruise to ascend to Xenu. <laughs> and so... I'm going to look up Simon Pegg's age, because I'm, I'm interested in that compared <laughs> to Tom Cruise's age. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Tom Cruise is 139, and Simon Pegg is 22. That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't you it, say it like that. Doesn't it, so, Tom Cruise is 56 at the time of this recording. Classic. Simon Pegg is 48. Sure. So basically, he can carry on the franchise for another 20 years. <laughs> I believe the number is actually... Uh, I was talking about Tom Cruise. Yes, I believe I believe the number is actually 73 more years. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Before he is... Are you, are you saying I'm looking at fake news? Yes. Health reports right, don't apply to numbers. Uh, so, we should probably flesh out what what exactly we're doing so since what, Fallout is not out yet. What order um, did everything come out in that we missed? I don't remember. We're, we're going to get to the point where this is self-sustaining, and I don't want it. <laughs> I think it was Solo, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. Is that it? I believe that was it. I swear we're missing something. It's going to be the most hilarious thing that we've missed. Maybe not. I don't know. Did the Predator go straight to Redbox yet? Oh, God. Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't want to watch that. I don't want it. What have we done to ourselves? I like to think that the, the monster, it's like a good metaphor for the franchise. Because mm-hmm. you keep killing it. But then it just comes back the next time. It just won't die. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Tyler. I'm sorry for your pain. So, are we are we going to try and do solo a Star Wars story next week? Is that yeah, is I that the that's, play? That's probably that's probably sensible. Okay, that's okay. I won't hate myself. Yeah, it ain't no Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that'll hate myself for. I won't hate myself for that. I, give it, I will. I might give it an F, but I won't hate myself for it. Is that going to be a Jurassic Park 3 scenario? It might Where be. you're just like, it this is F plus, F plus all the way, and I'm like, fitting, this it? is just the worst. Didn't I, have I given anything else an F plus? I feel like I haven't. I don't. I think Joseph um, handed something out in F plus. Yeah. Joseph gave that to the third Hobbit movie, okay. specifically the yeah, extended yeah, cut. Yeah. yeah, I think that's your only F plus. Okay, that would be a fitting catharsis to the F plus character arc. <laughs> Hit ends work began. <laughs> Even though... I'll be curious. It's not, yeah. It's, it's not really where it began, but, you know. Because <laughs> it's the third movie. It ends two movies after where it ended before. <laughs> there you go. I don't think that deserved that much of a reaction. <laughs> hey. I'm tired. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think I'm done with movies. I think I'm... <laughs> Can we just call this whole podcast off? I think we should end on a decently high gonna, note of we're gonna, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation <laughs> and 
and just 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 call it a day. I know we we've got a fallout to look forward to. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> we're gonna call it. We're gonna make our own movies. It's gonna be terrible, and you're gonna love it. Sure. <laughs> That's the spirit. I'll sit there on quote unquote the set as Tyler directs. I'll just be sitting there in the corner asking where my life has gone, and Tyler's going, No, you fool, put the camera here. Literally I didn't say green screen, I said blue screen. Literally trying to direct small chihuahuas to carry my cameras. I hurt myself today. Correct. Anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time for not Mission Impossible Fallout. I cry every time. (laughs) Art is subjective. Nothing is real. Have a wonderful evening.